And we are live. Welcome aboard to the PFG Live. Kevin is here. Welcome aboard, Kevin. Mr. Howe, welcome aboard. Rob Renz, how nice to see you today. I, I don't usually don't expect you at this hour. Uh, let's see, we got uh, Brian. Welcome aboard. Thank you for audio and video check. You're doing you're doing your job. <laughs> I appreciate it. Did you like our new test pattern? <laughs> so this way, I know that the uh, the stream is actually live when I see that test pattern come back at me from uh, from YouTube. Chipload, hello, good morning. So uh, it's a gorgeous day here in New Hampshire, not because the sun is shining, but because the snow in the trees looks awesome. I posted a couple of pictures, and uh, we're having a uh, we're having a beautiful day here. So uh, in other news, um, we have a great guest for you today, as previously uh, claimed. Mr. Tom Lipton will be joining us shortly. Uh, let's see. I had some interesting orders this week. Let's I'll do a little commercial for PFG Stones. Uh, we had, uh, I'm not going to name names except for, uh, well, two of them I can name names. Uh, Form Labs, the company that makes my resin printer and I really like. <laughs> Rob Wren says Tom threatened him if he didn't show up. I like it. Henry is here. Welcome aboard, Henry. So uh, Form Labs uh, sent me an order for PFG stones, and I, of course, wrote a little note to them on the uh, packing slip that I'm a happy customer, which is no secret. Uh, I have the Form Three Plus printer. Well, I get an email from those guys. So uh, their their model shop, basically, uh, are fans. And I want to just give a shout out to the guys at Form Labs because you make great products. Please continue. I will keep using them. Uh, uh, Cornell University. I won't say who in Cornell University. Welcome aboard to Cornell. And also uh, a large computer manufacturer. Welcome aboard. So... Uh, what else we got here today? Uh, somebody, somebody suggested to me in the last couple of weeks that this is a podcast. Is this a podcast? I don't know. I think you can listen to this thing audio only and it would probably be fine. But I'm not exactly sure if I'm going to call it a podcast. What do you think? Uh, let's see. In other news... I got caught up this week, so I'm not having a crazy weekend in the shop. I actually took yesterday off and chilled out. Um, and there we go. So uh, let's do a weather check. Almost. You made it, man. Good morning. I, I saw some cool posts from you this morning on the Instagram. And uh, let's do a weather check. Uh, post your in the chat post your state or other location and give me a quick weather check here sleeping saloon welcome aboard sir ah kevin says according to cortex which i don't know what that is you have to be able to subscribe via rss so it's not a podcast okay i think we may do something about that i'm taking that as homework 
Also, we may be able to convert the audio track to a podcast. I think that's uh, that's possible. So if anybody has any expertise in that, uh, let me know. I did sign up for an Apple, uh, I guess it's Apple Podcast account. So we're like, we took a little tiny step in that direction. Brian says, light snow in northern Ohio. Kevin says, Oregon is 36 and cloudy. <laughs> Oregon? Cloudy? Cortex is CGP Gray's podcast. Well, you're giving me all sorts of homework here. Okay. I'll take that as homework. Hello from Western Mass. Kevin, welcome aboard. Uh, we have multiple Kevins. This is Kevin Z. It's been a while. Well, uh, nice to see you, Kevin. Welcome aboard. We'll even let you in. Because you're Massachusetts, you're from Massachusetts. It's a little scary to us because you might have tax on you. All right. So uh, I don't have any old news, old business, and I know everybody's waiting to see Tom. James Howe re reports decent snow up in Vermont. We had six inches to storm total uh, for that storm, James. And Henry says zero C. That's 32 for you uh, landlubbers in southwest Germany. Carl's here. Welcome aboard. The People's Republic of Rhode Island reports 35 and clear. My sister's down there. Low 30s in western mass calling for 1 to 3 inches. So I looked at the forecast for tonight into tomorrow, and it's just it's just a step function of, of, of snow starting, and they're calling for basically a 6-inch storm. Almost can't hang in here all day. Uh, taking the kiddo to a birthday party. And he's and then he's going to work on a closing lathe. 50 degrees and near 60 in Phoenix, Arizona. Outstanding. All right. I think we're all caught up. Although I did not get a, I did not get a report from Robrens. I, and I was hoping to get it in micrometers, in, in microns. <laughs> all right. Um, I think we're all checked in. I think the live is healthy. Uh, we've got, uh, 12, uh, live viewers and that's healthy. So, um, I think without, without further mucking around, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to bring in our guest for today, uh, Mr. Tom Lipton. Tom, Hi. how are you? Doing well. Can you hear the words coming out of my mouth? Uh, yeah, your mouth's moving and things, <laughs> noise is coming out. I get that a lot, actually. <laughs> Mostly from my clients. Almost says he's in a parka. Water freezes below 70 Fahrenheit here. Oh. <laughs> so, I didn't think water could exist in its liquid form in, in uh, Arizona. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> so... Is uh, what's a what's a typical uh, attendance for this uh, uh, wannabe podcast? This one, so the live, as you might imagine, the live attendance is much lower than the ultimate views, right? So we've well, been running, yeah, yeah. So so we've been running uh, on the order of of ten to twelve mm -hmm. uh, concurrent viewers, okay. but I will, I, but sir. I will point out, as soon as your face came on the screen, we're now at 14 concurrent viewers. Oh, great. <laughs> so <laughs> th that's either a good sign or we're in deep trouble. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I think it's the uh, <laughs> the trouble, right? Uh, Carl says hi, Tom. Hi, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, it, the the little ch uh, chat window is is pretty small, so um, I, I I'm on it. What do you mean you're on it? I mean you don't have to like worry about it. If somebody pops up with a question, okay. I I will repeat it. You know, I asked my viewers if my now that we're on YouTube and we have the little chat window thingus, which is right mm -hmm. there, uh, if if that was annoying, and a lot of people said no, keep doing it because they they actually listen to it as audio only and they like it. So oh, I see. Okay, right. So if you read them, then they get the whole thing, right? So. So for those of you who don't know who Tom Lipton is, um, he's going to either cringe or be happy that I'm about to do this. Uh, this was one of my introductions to uh, machining, and this is Tom's book, Metalworking Sink or Swim, which I bought, um, I don't know, it was like 1840, I think uh, was the 18. year. <laughs> uh, I now actually... Did you, did you buy that before uh, uh, we met or after we met? Oh, long before. Oh, good. Oh, no, 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 no. Long before. you. I, I thought very highly of you until I met you. <laughs> I, Perfect. Excellent. <laughs> uh, no, this, and you notice this, there's like. Uh, uh, so uh, I tell people to, uh, to keep that in the bathroom. And that, <laughs> that way, uh, at least I know that it will occasionally be looked at. So. <laughs> Well, I, I kept it in the bathroom, but we still have some pages left. So okay. it's uh, it's still working out. So Tom is the author of uh, Metalworking Sink or Swim, but more importantly, he also have a, has a YouTube channel, which is uh, Ox Tool Co., I believe, yeah. on YouTube. Yep. Just do a search. You'll find him. And uh, if you've been following that, you know that Tom did the big egress, oh, from, <laughs> the, which isn't over yet, right? Uh, well, no, the, the, the moving part is over. The aftermath is still in process. So uh, it's it's basically turning your life upside down. So uh, yeah. and, and you're about, what, 100 miles north of Berkeley now? Correct, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're kind of east of Sacramento is uh, the rough location in the foot, Sierra foothills. That's awesome. And I've yeah. seen pictures of your surroundings, and it looks quite nice it's quite relaxing yeah it's uh um it's super quiet up here um your neighbors stay out of your business and um um got lots of wildlife and um yeah a, a feature that i'm gonna add to the uh to the youtube is uh, critter cam <laughs> oh excellent yeah because we've uh we've got quite the variety of wildlife running around here so uh and i I got one of those uh, uh, game cameras that we've been plunking around in different places and uh, pretty surprising what you catch. So, Yeah, I have a buddy up in Maine that, that plays that game and he gets mm -hmm. some amazing, amazing footage. Yeah. Well, I should also point out that this isn't the first time you've been on the PFG Live. We did a an Instagram version of it a uh, hundred years ago and that's on the YouTube channel, it's, it was it was uh, translated over to a YouTube video, mm -hmm. uh, but this is much uh, much more relaxing, I think, than the squint, squinting at the phone that we were doing before. Oh, I see. Right. So uh, you are kind of in. 
and uh, stuff is plugged in and working and turning. And yep. uh, yeah, I can use any machine I want in the shop now. Um, and um, it's you know, it's it's this process, right? And uh, you, you, I go down there, right? And and you go, gosh, there's just so many things to do. You go, what should I work on, right? And you look around and you, it's like a dog, you know, getting ready to lie down, right? You got to turn around four times and touch something, go look at something. And then finally you decide to, uh, decide to work on something and, uh, and, and you get started. So, uh, but yeah. Uh, James Howe says the egress was well-timed for me. Been setting up my machine shop for the, over the last year and a half. So I've been tuning in for updates and ideas for my own shop layout. Yeah, yeah. the The layout um, uh, that's, and you know, I talked about this on one of my videos. It's, uh, you know, you move from one space to another, right? And you've kind of optimized in your in your little space, right? And then you move to another space, and it's shaped differently, and um, the layout's different, right? So in in my current shop um it has two roll-up doors in line with one another so the person that put it up they had a gigantic rv that they wanted to be able to pull in there right so the doors are um 16 feet wide by 14 feet high <laughs> wow so, and it's clear all the way through at that height right and um so you kind of at least my thinking is i kind of want to be a preserve being able to maybe pull my truck in there or a vehicle or whatever right and uh and work on it if i need to work on it or whatever and uh, and so you know partitioning it off so all the equipment is kind of out of that area right i don't have to be able to drive all the way through but to be able to pull kind of a full-length vehicle in there is you know something that i've kept in the back of my mind right so that that's a amazing luxury uh yeah <laughs> that's yeah, right. fantastic well, um k-bonk k-bonk showed up welcome aboard k-bonk hello uh, <laughs> Ro robin says is that richard moore in the middle of the berkeley lab photo in your background uh negative um that okay. is uh ernest o lawrence um and the other two guys, one guy, uh, he's a technician. I, um, I can't think of his name right now. Um, I'll, I'll find out. And, uh, okay. um, but they're some famous Berkeley people. So, uh, yeah, let's see. That looks like the 60 inch cyclotron there. So, yeah, I was relating my story about the MIT cyclotron. Uh, there's a building kind of small building on uh at mit called we call it the j building because there's a big j on the front mm -hmm. in honor of the particle that it discovered oh okay but, but i got a tour uh from one of the guys that worked there of the cyclotron room and there's a huge uh concrete wall that that is on hydraulics that closes off the room mm -hmm. when the when the cyclotron fires up and uh, he was explaining the radio and there's radiation measurements written in pencil all over the thing, you know, 1946, yeah. 1947. And, and on top of the wall that, that comes out of the floor is a piece of diamond plate. Mm -hmm. And there was a whole bunch of circles, like 
irregular circles on top of the diamond plate, which I didn't understand. I pointed at it. I said, what, what are these weird marks from on this diamond plate? He says, oh, that's from beer cans when guys used to crush beer cans against the ceiling. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. I was like, that's high tech. Yeah. Uh, Carl says, did you ever finish the Intaglio printing press you were building for your wife? If yes, can we see it? So, no, uh, it's, it's not done, but, um, um, some of the pieces, you know, all, all these projects are like a puzzle, right? And, um, um, that particular project, uh, material handling is, uh, uh, is kind of the juncture that I, that I'm at, you know, the side plates for that press are inch thick steel, right? So you wow. got to be able to pick them up and move them around and get them on a machine and all that and and actually transport them too, right? So I got a full-size truck now and I've got friends with trailers that I can borrow and and you know, so some of the pieces are dropping into place. So it's not dead. It's not dead and um I we ended up we uh, my wife and I went to a um an estate sale in the Oakland Hills, um, actually cut, I don't know, three, three years ago now, something like that. Uh, I want to say, and, um, um, the person that the house belonged to a family and the wife was a, was a printmaker. And there was a kind of a mid-sized press there. Uh, and it's actually, it was a high quality one. And uh, so we ended up buying that and, uh, that was a whole moving expedition in itself right and she's she's been using that one so it's kind of a mid-size so uh uh but no i no i want to finish it it's a it's a cool project and um um and you know i don't know it's just it's on the books like i got a lot of projects on the books right now and uh and uh but the the focus now is to get the shop squared away so that uh, I don't have to think about that. And, um, and I can find everything, you know, I still got crates full of stuff that I don't dare open up. Right. Until I get some climate control, uh, or temperature moderation going. Right. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I'm scared to open them honestly. Right. And, uh, see the do, show. <laughs> when, when does insulation show up? Um, so I'll probably start working on that in the spring when um, um, it warms up just a little bit, right? And um, um, and um, so I got the 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 full plan worked out and all the vendors identified and pricing and all you know those kinds of things nailed down, right? And and I'll do it in sections. And where I place the machines. I can still get at the walls and uh, and do the work, uh, you know, with minor moving around. There's only one corner that is going to take significant, uh, um, you know, junk moving uh, to uh, to access the walls. But a large portion of it I can do without. So uh, anyway, it's uh, it's uh, I, I for those that don't know I. I kind of split my time during the week between Berkeley and then here up in the hills, right? And uh, so Monday morning I drive into Berkeley and I stay with my parents uh, for a couple of days. They're they're older and um, 
my mom's not doing that great. And anyway, so I stay with them and, um, and help out with them and then drive home on Wednesday afternoon and then work from home a couple of days, uh, Thursday and Friday. And so it's, it's, it, it cuts into your, uh, your action. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it true that you're building an apartment inside of a Tokamak at Berkeley? Is that true? <laughs> I don't know, but I've looked at some spaces. I'm like, oh, I could put a, I could put a cot in there. That might work, right? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? What's the, Why not? You know, what's the magnetic field between friends? Yeah, right? exactly. Right. Just stay outside the five Gauss lines, so uh, you'll be fine. <laughs> Kevin uh, Zuko says, "Hi, Tom. Hi. Long, long time viewer of your channel as well, and I purchased your book years ago. Spencer, I just purchased online a set of your four inch stones. Thank you, sir." Yeah, I just saw your you. order. Literally, your order just popped in. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate it. And and Kevin says that it, they're to go with the four by one stones that he made years ago. Were you oh, okay. so, Kevin? Were you inspired by uh, Mr. Lipton to start uh, start doing that? What the uh, uh, the stones? He, I don't know what inspired what what led him to grind his own a, a few years ago. That's well, I think. Uh, I would give that credit to Robin actually for kind of illustrating that whole. Oh, uh, no question. That whole yeah. thing, but uh, and I'm just going to say it, Robin. You kind of dropped the ball on that, buddy. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it, the <laughs> he's he's still got plans though, right? Uh, I think he's a sneaky guy, right? He doesn't talk much, but uh, <laughs> well, uh, you might I, see something out of him yet. So, <laughs> I, I have no doubt. I also know that he's doing some. Uh, bespoke machines, which is super cool, uh, which is neat. Um, K Bonk says, "Hey Tom," he didn't say "Hey Tom." I'm saying "Hey Tom." Yeah, right. He said, "Do you did you have time to prep some of the tools with some type of oil for longer time storage? If so, what did you use?" So um, yeah, some things I did, um, and then I used that. Um, uh, VCI paper on a, a bunch of things. That's that. Uh, it's got a um, some kind of volatile. Um, uh, it it um, they basically emit um, a uh, rust preventative, but uh, most of the the important stuff is packed in um, wood crates that are sealed, and um, so functionally they have some insulation that uh, that kind of moderates the the temperature swings inside them and um, um, so all the all the crates that I've opened up everything's been fine um, where I see the problems is on the, um, the kind of the heavier pieces of uh, steel and iron and uh, things like that so excellent question and Kevin says, credit goes to Rob Renz for the inspiration for grinding my stones. And just the same as all of us, right? I think that video was like eye-opening. Um, yeah, my first set, I, uh, I, I did them entirely by uh, uh, diamond lapping them. So, uh, um, <laughs> how, long, how long did that take? Um, actually, it wasn't that bad. I have um, um, a couple of diamond laps that I uh, uh, found on eBay that were, um, are made, uh, uh, what's, it, what's the name of them? Uh, it's, they're called ab laps. And so they're, Oh yeah. Yeah. They're uh, hard anodized. They're lapped flat aluminum, hard anodized with diamond embedded in the hard anodized. So they're basically like permanent diamond laps. 
although they get abused and they do eventually wear out. Um, so I, I got some used ones for pretty decent price on, uh, on eBay. Um, and, um, um, the, the, the things work great actually. Um, and, uh, so I lapped my first set of stones, this direct on those. Now you're right. It did take a while. Um, because as you know, those stones are cupped and twisted and all kinds of stuff when you first get them. But I roughed them out on silicon carbide paper on a, on a surface plate to get them kind of close. And then, uh, and then went to lapping. So, um, yeah. um but yeah, I use mine all the time. And, um, um, you know, once you kind of integrate them into your workflow, um, um, it's like you can't do without them and then you need yeah. like another set so you don't have to walk across the shop right and, uh, <laughs> or you keep them near the particular machine that you want to uh, that you're using them on so yep uh excellent uh, rob robin says glad to help yeah uh <laughs> we're not gonna <laughs> of course adam's here so let me i will point out that adam uh oh adam, adam analog Adam, oh, I yes, got, I gotta go. I'm sorry. Sorry, click. Uh, <laughs> That's no, right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Adam, Adam and I have an interesting relationship. So, <laughs> Adam, uh, Adam taught us about the uh, Ab Labs uh, last week. He was on this very show. Oh yeah, and uh, it was pretty he, cool. He actually made one. Um, he yeah. uh, he kind of made one uh, DIY it and uh, uh, and. Actually, I think he brought it over to my shop, and we we were playing around with it, and yeah, it, it seemed to work. And uh, yeah, it's an interesting technology. And then I I bought a set at work, because um, uh, every once in a, you know we had an optics lab that uh, unfortunately they uh, they needed the space, so they got rid of it, right? And I captured some equipment that came out of that and brought it back to my building, which is in the finest traditions of scrounging, um, at the lab. Right. Um, and, um, so, but nobody there does any lapping anymore in particular. Right. So, um, uh, you know, jobs come up every once in a while. And, um, um, so anyway, I ended up buying a set of these, um, uh, um, I can't think of the, I can't think of the brand right now. It's not ab laps, but there it's, it's basically the same thing and people give me stuff to lap every once in a while. And these things just work wonderfully and you can lap, you know, you know, uh, a halfway, no problem in a few minutes, literally. And, is is uh, that the ones uh, you were showing that had, that were uh, the small round laps? Yeah, these these are round. Uh, these particular ones are eight inches in diameter. And um, since I was spending your taxpayer money, I, I said, <laughs> "Hell, I'm not going to get the four inch. I'm going to get the eight inch. What the heck, right?" And uh, um, anyway, they're they're uh, uh, quite nice, and they're different grits, so that you know you can just work your way through them really quick. They're really easy to clean, and they're super easy to use. I mean, um, mm. yeah. Just wonderful. Neat. Now I want a set. Yeah, uh, I'll give them away. Let me just <laughs> point that out. I uh, yeah, but I'm the taxpayer, so I should be able to like. Oh right, yeah. Yeah okay. Uh, Emma Slive says, 
gasket sealing storage tubs with some indicating desiccant works well for preventing corrosion. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's a there's lots of um, uh, corrosion uh, preventative schemes, and um, the all time best um, that I've ever seen is Cosmoline, right? And you guys mm. have all heard about Cosmoline, right? And the military uses that and. I have seen some stuff stored it, that has been stored in Cosmoline for literally 60 years, and it emerges and it's perfect. And um, um, now they use it copiously, right? And um, uh, so functionally, it's a skin that they, <laughs> the sealed skin that they apply, but uh, it's it's not practical for for every use, right? Do do you use the bow shield? So. Um... You know, I've got some kind of strong opinions on some of the uh, uh, the corrosion preventatives. Um, I have uh, corrosion X. I've tried the bow shield. Um, the uh, the two that seem to be uh, pretty effective that are you know readily commercially available are LPS three, and then the WD forty equivalent of that, which is almost like spray grease. Um, and then um, um, the other one that I actually really like, uh, but it's ungodly expensive, is uh, um, it's a it's for firearms. It's a green uh, uh, paste that smells like mint, uh, frog lube. Are I've never used it. Yeah, yeah frog lube is uh, apparently it dissolves powder deposits and things like that. Um, but it is actually a really excellent uh, corrosion preventative. Hmm. And because uh, you can put it on in kind of a thin film, like a wax, right? And um, uh, and it seems to work really well. And uh, some guys use it on their table saw, you know, the cast iron tops of their table saws and stuff like that. Um, and um, and it, it smells good. It it's, uh, seems to be water soluble, washes hmm. off your hands and stuff like that. And uh, I'm going to look it up. Other things Fro are pretty tenacious. Frog lube. K Bonk yeah. says K Bog says pain in the ass to remove. Oh my god. Is I think he's referring to Cosmoline. I'm pretty sure he's talking about Cosmoline. <laughs> the frog lube you can just wipe off, right? And, yeah. Yeah. Uh so let's get back to lapping. Uh you I don't know if you watched last week's uh no, deba debacle here. Well, thanks for admitting that. Um <laughs> but uh, we're, we're talking about lapping and I'm fixing to get ready to begin to lap. So uh -oh. it's not like I'm not prepared or anything. So you're, uh, you're, you're looking inside the rabbit hole. I am. <laughs> I'm actually charting where the rabbit hole is, is what I'm doing. Oh, so, really? so I made, I have, uh, three cast iron laps that I made inspired by you. Okay. okay. And um, and then I made a grid pattern on them inspired by Robin because I made the okay. grid pattern. But Robin said, I got a great idea. Don't let the grid lines fall off the edge. Do an outside grid line because I was, I was CNC in it. A circular one, yeah. Like a trench, and, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like a trench, exactly. So I did that. So they, they're beautiful. And then I ground them on the Okamoto. So mm -hmm. last week, Adam Adam B says to me, you don't have to lap them. You're done. <laughs> I'm like, well, we're going to lap them anyway. Yeah, pretty much, right? Because um, 
basically you're evaluating the condition of the parts that are coming off your lap. So you're not trying to right. control, well, you do control the lap, right? But really you're evaluating the, um, the parts coming off, right? And, uh, and then adjusting your technique on the lap or, um, uh, or, or tuning the lap to produce the results that you want to do, right? So Adam's correct in a good, nice flat grind off of a, a good grinder and you can start lapping and um, yeah so that so just to amplify what you said and adam said the same thing and robin said the same thing which is that this process is a closed feedback loop yep so it's important to have your lapping procedure here but your optical flat and your monochromatic light source right here so that you can evaluate and and with any precision process, the, the feedback is probably the most important part, okay? And if your measurements are unreliable or uh, don't have the resolution, then you're just, you're just, you're doing nothing, right? And, um, you know, the famous words of somebody that I work with, right, is, um, did you check it? <laughs> right? So, oh, it's perfect. Uh, well, did you check it? And uh, right, so it, that feedback loop, you know, a lot of a lot of machinists and organizations have a, kind of an adversarial relationship with uh, with quality control people and and inspectors and things like that. But these guys make you better, okay? If if they're good, if they're decent, right? And uh, now we see uh, when you get when you get down into uh, um, very small um, kinds of uh, measurements, right? The uncertainty goes up sharply, right? And we see this where so my famous example of that is the uh, um, the guy that used to run our metrology department. You know, it's got a big Zeiss CMM in there, and you know mm -hmm. all all kinds of fancy stuff, right? So I was I wanted to borrow one of those um, uh, a big tri mic right you know these uh, three lobed uh, micrometers and uh, he said oh yeah it's over there in the cabinet blah 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 and I said oh do you have a a, a setting ring for this right and uh, he says oh yeah that's over in the other cabinet yeah 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 right so uh, so I'm looking for the setting ring right and um, the uh, I find the setting ring and as I'm pulling it out, he goes, Oh, be sure to grab the calibration sheet for that. And I go calibration sheet. And, um, so I pull the calibration sheet up. And so what he did is here's a, here's a, uh, um, I don't remember who, who it was a Deltronics or wh whoever it was a ring gauge, right? It's a double X master ring gauge. Right. And, um, and he, Took it upon himself to inspect this on his Zeiss CMM, and so there was some offset from from what Deltronics had stamped on the double X gauge, right? And I kind of went, eh, I don't like this, and <laughs> well, I I didn't like it in that that it ain't right, okay? So the Zeiss is, you know, it's taken a hundred points or a thousand points or whatever it is on that ring gauge. Right. And, and he's 
throwing some offset, a couple of microns or whatever it was, right? You know, and uh, and I'm like, that's baloney, right? And I know what they go through to make these things, mm-hmm. and um, and they're directly traceable to NIST too, because uh, they have to be, right, to be a master gauge. And uh, so, let's just put it this way: I put the calibration sheet back in the drawer <laughs> or back in the uh, in the box, right? And uh, well, the buck the buck stops somewhere, right? And and in yeah. the original in the original case of a, a NIST traceable ring, the buck stops at NIST, yeah. whereas if this guy did his own calibration, the buck stops at whatever branch well, off his, his thing goes to. Yeah, so this the CMM is uh, is three meters long and one and a half meters wide and two meters tall, right? So I get suspicious when he's inspecting at uh, a ten thousandth of an inch or uh, a, a couple of microns, right? All mm-hmm. right? And... Uh, not that with repeated measurements and and um, knowledge of, uh, of of how things move around and uh, and repetitive measurements that you can't do better than the theoretical right uh, of that machine, but you got to be on your game, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> not yeah. just reading the display and going, oh yeah, well hey, that ring gauge is not uh, what it says it is, right? So I I, I love hearing guys say the word exactly. Yeah, that's a. We cut this thing to exactly the length. I'm like, really? <laughs> you did? So I, I had a an argument with a customer many years ago, um, and um, so it was. Uh, I can't even remember what the part was, but uh, there was a note on the drawing, and it said, uh, "Leave uh, leave this edge sharp," right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we left it sharp. And, um, and they said, Oh, it's not sharp enough. (laughs) And, uh, and I said, okay, wait a second here. Sharp is not a dimension. Okay. And, uh, so you either give me a radius that you will accept there. Okay. All right. Or you're taking (laughs) these parts. Right. And, uh, anyway, it got into a, I know I would say a relatively decent pissing match. Right. Mm. Um, but uh, so if you think about it, actually, it's, it's, it's an interesting sharpness is a uh, is kind of one of these weird, undefined things. Right. And uh, so you got you got razor blades and you got knives and you got all kinds of cutting tools. Right. But um, um, unless you cut some you cut some standardized material. Right. There's no way to to actually measure sharpness right you know you see guys cutting paper and Mm. and you know ropes and you know all kinds of different stuff right but uh but there's no instrument that that can look at an edge and say oh yeah that's a you know um a point oh 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 you know sharp edge or whatever right and um and judge that sharpness you have to cut something right and then Mm. that's kind of a you know, it depends what you're cutting, right? And um, um, so it's kind of a, a an interesting concept of sharpness, right? And uh, anyway, so you can get down to one molecule at the tip, right? And or one atom at the tip, and that's theoretically the sharpest that you can be. You know, anything can be, right? Is one atom's? Uh, how long is it gonna? How long is it gonna be that? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, they. Uh, 
I don't know, these scanning, tunneling electron microscopes, they have these little probes that are, uh, actually, I don't, I don't even know what the specs are on the tips, but they're pretty, they're pretty stinking small. And uh, yeah, it's an atom or two, right? It, it is. It's, it, it literally is. It's a couple of atoms at the tip, I think. And not that's, that's atom, not Adam. Just saying. Adam, yeah. Adam. A couple of atoms. Because I don't know well, if we Adam can handle a couple. <laughs> I know so many atoms now that we have to number them. Yeah, there's they're like they're like rats. They just breathe, you know. <laughs> so, all right, getting back to let pulling this back into the center of the lap. Uh, so, the concept of the lap being a, a, a you know a tool, a good tool, but then having the feedback loop uh, uh, tighten up the result to match the reference. So the reference becomes the optical flat yeah. and the lap just becomes a tool. Yep. So, you know, we t you did the three plate method to make your mm -hmm. various plat uh, uh, laps and I'm gonna play around with that. Although sure. I'm, I've been advised I'm already flat, but we'll yeah, find out. You know, when I did those, um, you know, Robin and I, uh, um, we uh, we have this kind of, uh, what do you want to call it, uh, an interest in uh, in what I would call first principles, right? And and uh, and, uh, and I think Adam Adam B does as well, right? And the the ability to produce a flat surface with basically nothing, right? Yeah. Other than two other plates, right? Is kind of a cool idea yeah right? and uh, so maybe they don't have a really sweet okamoto grinder like somebody i know right and uh yeah right and uh um but they could still do this right so yeah. they could still do this right so it's going to take them a while and mm -hmm. um you know so i mean literally you could you know saw those plates off and then start rubbing them together and then use a little four inch grinder and grind the high spots and then, you know, and then scrape yeah. and file. And, and then pretty soon you're reasonably flat and now you can start kind of working them together. Right. Uh, you know, in a, in the pattern. Right. And actually produce something that's, uh, that's, uh, you know, flat to, you know, micro inches. Right. So uh, it's just really kind of cool. Right? Uh, Tom, did you read the book or audio book? And I bring that up specifically for a reason called the perfectionists. Um, I did read that book. Um, and, um, a long time ago, I, I don't recall the, uh, I don't recall much about it. Um, each chapter, each chapter was the history of precision and they kept, kept moving the decimal point in each chapter. Okay. The decimal point gets moved. Yeah. And it started at it started at bores of cannons, where an eighth oh, of an right. inch was like a big deal, and it ended at LIGO. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, LIGO is pretty impressive. Uh, um, you know, yeah. I mean, so you know, people are talking about this uh, um, this net energy gain fusion breakthrough, right? Okay, which is really cool. Okay, admittedly, right? And uh, <laughs> but if you look at the machine and the input to get to that, right? You, you go, okay, well, 
all right, you couldn't help but ha have that happen, right? LIGO, on the other hand, that thing is so sensitive. It is just an incredible piece of equipment, right? And um, uh, when you start, uh, we had a, a guest speaker at the lab when they first detected uh, uh, this uh, black hole merger, um, the first one that they detected, right? Uh, we had a guest speaker from LIGO um, come out and it was just fascinating, right? Uh, the technology and the, uh, and the le I mean, just the level of vacuum that they uh, maintain in that thing, right? This thing's like kilometers long, right? And Yeah, not and a it, small volume. Yeah, and it's operating in the, I don't know, 10 to the minus 12 regime or, or whatever, right? And uh, a vacuum, right? Which is like, for those of you who don't know, that's like two gas molecules bouncing around in there, right? You know, and, uh, and right. in the whole thing, right? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive, so... Anyway, that's a that's a recommend. So the reason I brought the book up is not only because the the book talks about what you're talking about is you know first principles, but <clears throat> the audio book is is read by the author, mm -hmm. and he does a fantastic job. So that's yeah, it. Uh, you know, I, that's probably worth a reread. And um, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, this uh, one of our viewers named Rob Renz says, "I've never hand lapped anything flat using a flat lap." The lap is always slightly convex when the part is flat. So make your lap flat to begin with is a waste of time, in my opinion. Now, I, I, I never finished my story, which I've told before, which is that the whole reason I brought up the three-plate method was that Robin recommends two laps. And you lap them against each other. And you know that one's going to end up convex and one ends up concave. Yep. And then you use that in your process to drive the answer toward the the goal, right? right so the you, product you toward the goal, right? Drive the product toward the goal. So uh, I you can I do it with two laps and uh, um, or one lap in uh, a conditioning ring and a conditioning disc, right? But you you got to have the feedback too. So. That's so from an engineering point of view, the three plate method is an is an open loop procedure there's it's not a feedback you, 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 a blind guy you know can can lap three plates flat mm -hmm. whereas a, the two plate method or two plates in your work and getting it flat that requires a feedback loop that's right Where, yeah. whereas three plates is no feedback loop it's like right. keep keep lapping until you run out of uh patience right right <laughs> yeah well that the lapping rabbit hole is, uh, it's quite, um, well, there's some pretty seductive things about it, right? And um, you, and, and, I, and I won't speak for Robin or Adam or whatever, but for myself, right? Um, you know, you're, you're sitting there by yourself and you're, you're, you're rubbing away, literally, right? And um, we're and not then, judging. Yeah, right. And, um, and then you put something, uh, uh, you put the flat on it, and you go, holy cow, that is flat, right? <laughs> and you're there all by yourself, and you kind of go, this is really cool, right? And uh, and then the other part that's really seductive is when you have a very, very flat part, uh, and the gauge block is the classic example, right? 
when you look at that, right, it has a particular look to it, okay? And, um, um, and, and a surface finish, right? And that's the other thing that comes out of lapping is these just really sexy surface finishes, right? And it's, it's like crack for machinists, okay? So uh, <laughs> there's just something about that that's, uh, you're like, that's pretty good. <laughs> So uh, my, I have a question. First, let me just, uh, C.J. Stevens asks, can you please say the name of the book again? And I think you mean the book I brought up called The Perfectionists. And uh, But while I'm at it, I'll bring up this book, which is Metal Workings Sink or Swim by Tom Lipton. Right. But I think you no, meant the No lapping in that one, so. No <laughs> lapping. So... Uh, the, if we go look back at at uh, Mr. Uh, Johansson's sewing machine, mm-hmm. uh, I have not done the research. So if anybody knows, if you could just like put it in in the chat, uh, I'm interested to know what he was lapping with. Like what was the slurry he was using, and and, and I know it was a big secret at the time. Well, but... uh, yeah, he, he was extremely secretive about his process, right? And um, I've poked around, I don't know, I would say reasonably uh, extensively on it. And there is not a lot of detail on that um, to be found. And um, I don't know, uh, Adam B. may have uh, dug into that a little bit further. But um, he, so Adam and I's relationship is kind of interesting is, uh, is I might open up the rabbit hole. Um, but uh, he breaks through into all the sub tunnels. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he he goes deep. So uh. yeah, um, Rob Renz, uh This is great because there's like resonance here. Uh, we talked about this last week a little bit. Rob Renz put it well: two plates and a spherometer, or repeatometer, which is a spherometer, will enable you to obtain flat. The spherometer or repeatometer will replace the third plate. And I think that's a beautiful statement mm-hmm. because there's this virtual third plate, which is basically the the self-checking behavior of the serometer, which is pretty neat. Sure, and that's, you know, um, um, and I, I would uh, be surprised if Robin is using a spherometer or a repeatometer on his plates. He's, he's, pro- he's lapped enough stuff that uh, um, that he can just use that feedback loop to see what's going on and make the adjustments in his lapping technique and um, uh, to uh, to make it do what he wants it to do. So, I, I, I have it on good authority that Robin just licks his finger, rubs it across the plate, and he knows. That's it. He just knows. He just looks at the plate harshly and it gets flat. It gets so, flat. Uh... <laughs> he looks... He gives it the... Okay, that's pretty funny. Adam says, you say our relationship is interesting. I say you ruined my life and turned me into an obsessive weirdo. First of all, sir, as an outsider to this relationship, as as an innocent observer, I will point out that he might have turned you obsessive, but the weirdo was there, okay? Uh, Yeah, Adam's great. He's he's an awesome, he's he's an eternal student. Right. So yeah, always yeah. learning. Right. And and um, 
he's very observant and he listens and um, and then he tries things and there's no substitute for going out in the in the shop and trying some stuff right and I, I, I tell these engineers at work you know these machinists and these fabricators are so fast that you can try three things before you got one of them semi-completed on the computer right so if you're not sure about your thing then here we'll give you a model or an analog or uh, um, you know we'll try that concept or that spring or whatever it is right and uh, and you can actually feel it and get that feedback right what did what did Wer uh, uh, Werner von Braun say he said uh, one experiment is worth 10,000 opinions yeah so w one of my uh, kind of uh, um, I, I guess I would call him a, 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 one of my heroes is Edwin Land, and uh, who's <laughs> a very interesting cat. And um, and one of his things that he would do is, you know, they'd be discussing how to how to do some problem, or they were having some manufacturing issue or whatever. And he said, "There's always something in the room that you're in having this conversation that you can use to help." model or mock up the problem right and um so yeah if, if you haven't if you haven't done any reading about edwin land uh i think there was a, a book and it may have been called polaroid i don't remember the the name of it but it was kind of a history of um of edwin land and um i mean this is the guy that thought of they said this is before digital uh 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 information transfer right and they said god we got we can we can make a lens that can read a newspaper from space right <laughs> and uh um but we're going to be taking those pictures on film how do we get the film from the satellite back to the ground right well they cooked up a way to drop these cassettes out of the out of the satellites and pick them up with planes flying by right and that was that was corona yeah right and uh, uh i mean yeah. We were you and I were at the Air and Space Museum, where they had the first. Oh, did they, did they have a display there? I don't remember. So. They had the. Uh, it might have been. No, I believe. I, ta it. I take it. No, no, I take it back. What I'm thinking of is over at Dulles at the uh, Udvar Hazy Center, but they had the first. I put my eyeballs over it. The first film containers that were dropped from the uh, satellites, mm -hmm. uh, Verona. Verona, or somebody will correct me in the chat. But anyway, uh, amazing. Yeah. Uh, the other one that I re that I remember, uh, they were um, they were trying to make uh, polarizing film, right? And um, um, anyway, they they put considerable time and money into this effort, right? And they couldn't get consistent results with the thing, right? And, and um, I don't know if it was Edwin Land or, or one of his cronies or whatever, but they had a piece of this film, right? And they were so frustrated and so pissed off that they just yanked the film and, and, and were yelling and, and, and they pulled on this film and they were trying to rip it apart, right? Well, inadvertently, they discovered um, that by stretching the film, it actually aligned the uh, these... Uh, 
uh, these particles that were in the film, right, in the orientation that they needed to align them to, right? And for whatever reason, they tested that film and they said, no, it's perfect, right? <laughs> so all they did was add a stretching section into this thing and boom, they were producing miles of this stuff uh, um, shortly thereafter, right? Which, which only goes to show you that getting pissed off is sometimes worth it. Yeah. Well, yeah. and then, you know, kind of back to that observational thing, right, is kind of observing, right? And, um, you know, I don't know who said it, but uh, some of the greatest scientific discoveries were, gee, that looks funny, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, why did it do that, right? And then yeah. kind of digging in a little deeper and going, oh, my God, you know, and uh, there it is. So, so I, I have a, uh, an Edwin Land story for you. Um, and I, I bring it up only because it's so close to the horse's mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, a buddy of mine who might actually be watching this, John, uh, he worked for Polaroid and he was a, a master machinist there and did awesome work. And he's actually, he's one of my grinding mentors. Mm. And, and he did some amazing grinding. He did the, he did the molds for Polaroid's plastic lenses and... Yeah. Those lenses were considered to be some of the best lenses in the world. Not the best plastic lenses in the world. The best lenses. He told me at one point, I don't remember the the details, that there was a 25th order polynomial that described the curve that they were grinding these things to. It was amazing. Anyway, the story he had about land was, uh, take care almost, uh, the story he had about land was that when they made the first pro- working prototype of the SX-70, remember the SX-70? Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. the, it opens up and takes a picture yep. and spits it out. So they had this big company meeting and Edwin Land comes and everybody's happy and everybody's celebrating and he gets up there and he says, this was quite the achievement. And the, the, the prototype was like, you know, like this. Yep. He says, this is great. You guys did a great job. But... Now, make it, now make it half the thickness and he turns around and walks off the stage. Yep. <laughs> and everybody's like, <laughs> so it literally went from, you know, on order two inches to on order one inch thick. And my friend John told me that everything in that camera was invented. There was like, there were no McMaster car parts in that, in that yeah. build. Uh, but that was an Edwin Land story. Yeah. I will look that up. No, I believe it. That, uh, that sounds about right and uh um. so uh uh my notes tell me that you are and i didn't know this about you that you are deeply into electronic dance music and i I, when did your interest in edm start (laughs) so um when did it start i don't know i mean uh i've been involved with you know manufacturing my whole life basically right and uh had to um i don't know pay for those services many 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 times right in the course of doing business right so um we we have a a large wire edm or edm department at uh, at berkeley lab but in my previous life is a uh, uh general manager of an engineering job shop we had to get stuff wire ED, wire or plunge EDM all the time, right? It's just 
um, the natural choice for certain kinds of geometry and um, um, certain materials, um, you know, and, and things that are just kind of difficult to do any other way, right? And um, so, you know, anybody that's designed and built machines or devices over the years is, I'm sure, had to procure these services, right? So there's an understanding of the capability that comes from that, right? And then um, we, you know, in the job shop that I, that I manage, we never had the volume of that work to justify buying one for ourselves, right? And um, now some industries kind of naturally generate that kind of work, right? So they invest in those machines and they have those machines at their fingertips, right? Um, my interest it, it was basically based on a price point. <laughs> um, a machine became available, and the, the story, the story goes uh, for my machine. How how I ended up getting it was uh, uh, a friend of mine contacted me and said, "Hey, listen, um, uh, the guy that used to do all my wire EDM, he died." a couple of years ago and uh i said oh okay and his his daughter is kind of liquidating his estate and she wants to get rid of his his wire edm machine i said oh really and uh, so i'm interested right and uh i said well you know what's what's the, what's the deal on it right because oh you'll have to talk to her right and i go well, well can we go look at it so we took a ride over there and i went and looked at it and um, fired it up, and it ran, and uh, and then now this is this is two years ago. Keep that uh, two years ago, yeah, maybe more than that. About two years ago, um, and at the time, I fired it up, and betting on the come, I replaced the memory battery while I was there, right? And uh, because the machine had been sitting for a couple of years. But yep. it fired up, all the parameters were there, everything operated right. So I said, you know what? I brought a battery with me. I'm just going to put it in, right? A fresh battery. So I put it in. And then, um, so she didn't have a number in mind, you know, no price or anything like that. So I went away and I said, okay, well, I'll send you an email and uh, I'll think about it. And uh, so I did some research on that vintage and da 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 da. So I made her an offer. And, um, and, um, anyway, uh, she says, oh, no, no, I can't accept that. Uh, I was hoping to get, uh, 25 grand for this thing and yada. I go, okay, that's fine. Hey, no worries. Um, you know, if something happens and, you know, you change your mind or whatever, you got my number anyway, thanks for letting me look at it. it you know, see you later. So crickets for a year, <laughs> over a year. Then think I get an email out of the blue. Hey, you still want that machine? <laughs> and this is what I call planting a tree and putting some water on it, right? And um, so I said, I said, yeah, I'm still interested in that machine. And uh, this is right in the middle of me moving. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, to heap it on, and the whole move is just a, a whole nother story, right? And uh, so. I went up there and I fired it up again to make sure that it wasn't dead, right? And 
get fired up. So I paid the lady and I said, listen, I said, uh, it's going to take me a little while to move this. Right. And, uh, and she says, oh yeah, no rush. You know, she got her money. So she was, she was pretty happy. Right. And, uh, but ultimately they were going to sell the property and, you know, it, it was going to, it had to go. Right. So, so anyway, I, that was, uh, so I, once I moved up here, I was actually closer to the location of the machine. Before I was two hours away. Now I'm only like 45 minutes, right? And um, so, uh, excuse me, I uh, I would go over there on the weekends and I would disconnect it and prep it to uh, to move it. And then uh, the timing worked out that uh, Stan Zinkowski uh, from uh, Barzy Industrial was up in the area with his big monster truck. So I said, hey, you know, would you help me move this? He said, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. And uh, so anyway, we got it on the trailer and got it back to my place intact. So Cool. That's the short story. With the... And what's your current status on that machine? So current status was uh, is uh, I've reconnected the, all, the, all the interconnect cabling and all that. Uh, I've been cleaning it. Um, the machine was really dirty. Uh, I'm replacing a bunch of hoses. So I don't know, I'm probably a month or two away from firing it up and trying to do something on it and, um, you know, seeing how it performs. I got to buy a bunch of stuff too. Uh, um, some filters, it's got a, um, deionized water resin exchange system on it. So I have to get a replacement, uh, resin exchange thing. So, yeah. you know, there's a few things to buy and, uh, and assist. It's just one of those projects that you just keep trying to nudge along, right? I don't. It's not like I got some burning job to put on there. Although, uh, uh, was that a was that a joke? Yeah, was, that was a joke. Okay, just. But joking. I have a bunch of burning friends that have burning jobs <laughs> uh, that are that keep pinging me about uh, when is that thing going to run, right? So. Uh, I was going to offer to help by giving you a burning job. Uh, yeah, exactly. No, I don't need I don't need any jobs. Thank you very much. So, uh, uh, if I could be of any support on that project, let me know. I, I I'm very excited about seeing that up and running. Yeah, and, well, so am I. I uh, you know, in in all the shops that I've worked in and um, companies that I've worked for, I've never had the opportunity to run one myself, right? And uh, you know, I I understand the technology, and uh, but like anything, there's a um, there's tradecraft involved, right? Yep. And that takes you a while to, to learn, right? I mean, you know, was, uh, when you first got your Okamoto, right? There was, right. You'd done some grinding before, right? But mm -hmm. it's, it's not, you, there's tradecraft with every machine and every process, right? Yes, and absolutely. Kind yes. Of, uh, come up to speed on. So I'm looking forward to that because, you know, I, I like learning new stuff. And this allows you to do some things that, uh, uh, you know, that uh, little titanium chingus that you showed me. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a job that you can, uh, you know, you can just put in the machine and come back and there's 20 of them done. Right. So um, um, if you want. So. If and you want. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm super interested to see how that goes. Yeah. Um, That'll be that'll be very interesting. Yeah, and it was, uh, to me, it was just a it was a price point to to be able to get into it, right? I mean, I wasn't going to spend a hundred grand on a machine just to play around, right? But you know, I paid four thousand bucks for that machine, okay? And it came with a phase converter, 
that I didn't need, which I sold for a thousand bucks. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, so I'm in the machine three grand plus a trailer rental and some, yeah, that's right. That's not much money, right? That's like a couple of flat stones. And that's yes. I do sell my <laughs> stones. In fact, I will send you a set for $2,000. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Great. No problem. Just a little discount for friends. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, Sleeping Saloon asks, uh, Hi, Tom. What's the best place to buy your book that best supports Ox Tools? Uh, it kind of doesn't matter. Uh, it's sold through Amazon. Uh, you can go to the Industrial Press website and get it there. Um, I still get my my little, uh, my little cut uh, no matter where it gets sold. So thank you, though. Thanks for asking. I don't sell them direct. Uh, they don't let me sell them direct. And frankly, I... I don't want to because it's you, you know, know like a, another thing, right? Another thing, you know, putting stuff in a box, printing labels. Hey, I didn't get my thing, or my thing was dented when it showed up, you know. And it, it's it's much easier that they handle all the marketing and distribution. And uh, but I do appreciate you asking, though. Thanks, uh, Mrs. Uh, Mabel McMurdy from Parsippany, New Jersey, writes. Can we please have your skirt steak recipe? <laughs> the skirt steak recipe, sure. So uh, Spencer and I were uh, were having a uh, a, a pre podcast drool, and uh, uh, so I make a uh, a carne a marinated carne asada that uh, um, actually I I can't take credit for the recipe. Uh, I don't know. If any of you guys watch uh, Chef John on Food Wishes um, on YouTube, and he's kind of an entertaining cat. And um, anyway, he did a, a recipe that I tweaked a little bit to make uh, carne asada for steak tacos. Mm. And um, so you get a, I don't know, a couple pounds of uh, skirt steak or uh, uh, any, any kind of uh, beef that's thinly sliced. And uh, you need an orange, three limes, quarter cup of olive oil, uh, eight cloves of crushed garlic, one and a half teaspoons of cumin, half teaspoon of Mexican oregano, uh, one onion uh, thinly sliced and chopped, a little bit of kosher salt, some pepper, and um, a half cup of chopped cilantro. There it is. Yeah. And anyway, that goes in a bowl, gets all mixed up, douse the steak in there. And then uh, uh, what I like to do is put it in a Ziploc bag and uh, exclude all the air, let it marinate for about one to two hours and then grill it and some corn tortillas, steam, a little bit of chopped onion, chopped cilantro, and there won't be any left. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already I'm halfway there, man. Yeah. I'm on an airplane. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, J James Howe asks along the same same lines as the electronic dance music machine project. Any update on the Makino? Uh, yeah, Makino is operational. Um, it, uh, um, it I can use it anytime I want. I just I don't have any active projects for it right this second. Like I said, I'm trying not to focus on projects. I'm trying to focus on what I would call infrastructure. Um, like I'm, I put up the forms for uh, my a slab to put uh, my new compressor, my large compressor on uh, outside the shop. 
And, you know, so I'm kind of working on infrastructure stuff and focusing on that. Now I am doing some little minor projects that, you know, that need doing right. And, uh, or uh, actually there'll be another meatloaf next week and you guys will get to see some of those things. So <laughs> that's a, that's called a teaser. I think that's in a the, teaser right? in the, in the trade. Well, it's 12 minutes after the hour, and we usually wrap it up at the top of the hour. We have three hours more material. Oh, um, yeah. I'd be happy to come back anytime. So, uh, uh, that'd be awesome. But we'll, Robin has to go first. So, okay, so <clears throat> Robin. <laughs> no, I think I, I, I now have an announcement to make. Uh, before I make the announcement, John says, Tom, you did a recent shop tour. Where did the metrology section end up? So uh, the metrology is going to be um, on the um, on the side uh, where the EDM and the and the milling machine is over there, kind of on that side. That's it, the didn't, intent. Didn't you have a room, a little room there? I did. There was a bathroom with a little subroom, but I tore it out. Okay. And um, and because um, it was just this really odd space and. Um, this huge, kind of this large bathroom that really was a waste of space. And it was a commando toilet anyway. It didn't go to anything. It <laughs> didn't go to a proper septic. So I was like, yeah, I'd rather have the floor space. And I'm super glad I did what I did. And um, um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, there was a little room that was kind of tied onto that that I thought I might use for that. But uh, so you're going to have a, just like a metrology corner. Yeah, it'll be kind of it'll be open. It's not going to be climate controlled or anything fancy like that. So. Okay. So uh, what I wanted to say is that the technology we we've developed, not developed, but learned how to use for doing this uh, this show, the PG, PFG Live, is we're able to handle two guests because uh, Tom's coming in on a Zoom meeting. Mm -hmm. So I would like to get. Uh, Robin back and I would like to get you back and maybe we could have a, uh, I don't oh, want to yeah. say maybe we could have a three-way uh, but maybe we could have because uh, we tested this I tested this last night mm -hmm. and it works it works well so the message is to all uh, potential guests uh, get knowledgeable about getting on a Zoom meeting that's all yeah. it's not hard the, most so, of the world knows about Zoom yeah, uh, I'll just throw out there that uh, I, I, for quite a while, Robin and I were having a at least once a month phone call, right? And um, and you know where we would just kind of talk about projects and uh, and you know it was just kind of a check in, right? You know, we would check in with each other and whatnot. And uh, um, but I tell you, there was some kind of interesting conversation in those. Uh, um, in those phone calls right now we, we both got super busy so we kind of um we haven't been doing it as regularly right as, as we were but uh um that would certainly be a uh, a good starting place right is uh well hey what have you been working on you know what are you thinking yep. about what's uh, what's on your books right and uh or what problem did you have and uh and those are kind of how the those conversations went right and uh so they kind of had the uh, 
the rabbit hole look to them, right? And they could kind of go anywhere. And uh, yeah, and they're fun. I always I enjoy them, Robin. So uh, yeah. So let's try to get a roundtable going. Um, yeah. And I happy to uh, uh, enable it. Oh, Robin says he's in. Excellent. So the prerequisite is just get Zoom competent. It's not hard. Uh, and I I'm happy to help during the week to uh, to get you going, Robin. Um, you could run. You're doing Zoom on your laptop right now. I um, am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it, you could also do it from a phone. Although I think I think the laptop does a slightly better job, but I'm not sure. And then the way it works is we get in we get in and do a little test uh, test session and get everything set up and off we go. Yeah. K Box says the video bedside reader. Right. No kidding. All right, guys. Uh, thanks to everybody who is here. Um, We'll see you guys next week. I see no impediments. Uh, same bad time, same bad channel. Tom, you stay right where you are. Don't don't push okay. any buttons. Got it. And uh, have a great weekend, everybody. Right, we'll see hey, you next Sunday. Good talking. It's always fun to talk uh, nerd talk. So. <laughs>